I got to tell you that uh, Sherry led prayer today, and there there was an anointing in that room. God was in that room. We were having more people showing up for prayer. We prayed for our uh, Libya. We prayed for our country. We prayed for the services. We prayed for churches. But I'll tell you what, when you walk from that room in here and Dino starts worshiping, uh, it's already like being in second gear. You know, and if you've ever driven stick shift, you know what it's like, man, when you can catch that and all of a sudden you just throw it in and you're already... And you're like, man, I just... I'm, I'm further along. I want to encourage you. God is doing something very powerful, not only in the body of Christ. And I've got to tell you that uh, some of you have known me for many years, and, and I have had the privilege of baptizing hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, and I'm not exaggerating, hundreds, of, I, it may even be a thousand people. I've had people walk up to me and say, you, you baptized me. And I'm like, well, did I do a good job? You know, because obviously you're living and I brought you out of the water. But when I very started, my very first few, I've got to tell you, I was pretty nervous and, and I was trying to remember everything that I was supposed to say and, and I'm thinking this person's life is in my hands for a tenth of a second. And unfortunately, one or two of the first people I got to baptize were very large people. And I thought, Lord, I know I need your strength on this. I need your help because I can get them down, but gravity, we're going to be bringing them back up. And God just asked me to speak this one word to them. And He said, after I asked for their confession of faith, this isn't even in my notes, so sorry, gentlemen, this is not even on the slide. Um, it's, I always ask them, Are you ready? Are you ready? And I've literally asked hundreds of people this. Not only are they ready for for what is about to take place physically, but were they ready spiritually for what was about to happen spiritually in their life, of what the water baptism made a, a chance to do in their life. This morning as Sherry was leading us in prayer, I was walking in the back and I was just praying back and forth. And God spoke to me and He said for the very first time in my life, Mark, are you ready? There's power right there. Mark, are you ready? You've been preparing the people. You've been seeking my face. You've been crying out to me. Are you ready? That means all of us have to be ready because we're one in the body. God is not going to do something in this section and these sections go through a dryness. God is going to do something new. And today is a word that is going to radically change your life if you will take these principles... Something new. Something new in my life. If you see the plans, there's a rebuilding going on and a restructuring that's happening. And what I've sensed in my life, I'm going to be honest with you, I did not want to preach these messages. I said, God, I'm taking care of that message. He said, no, you've got to go back to this message. You've got to circle around here. I said, but God, look, it's all taken care of. I've, I've, I've covered that. He goes, no. And every time I've tried to walk away, God's called me back to this point. He's not done yet with this point. Man, there's so many times where we like to, as I mentioned last week, we like to put God in a box and say, okay, God, we've, and man, sometimes we even decorate that box and we make a special shell for it. And he's saying, let me out. But God, it's not Sunday yet. Let me out. But you know, it's not Sunday yet, God. No. He's saying, it's Thursday. Let me out. It's Friday. Let me out. I'm like, okay, God, we're going to open up that box and we're going to really experience what you want to do. Amen. And it's for all of us. See, that was a private word. I would have shared that with you. Man, I'd have already been, I'd been walking on cloud nine, but it's what I'm so excited about. It's for all of us. And for those who are hungry and thirsty, what we're talking about is something new in our lives. There's times when we go through routines, and I am tired of routines. 
routines, daily routines. Have you ever thought that you could do your job blindfolded? You know, you almost know where, your car almost knows exactly where to park on the campus at school or at your workplace. You know kind of what the lecture is going to be if you're in school. You kind of know what's going to happen in the workplace. It's very routine. And we get into very good routines. And we go through it almost mindless. We can almost do it with, you know, half of our thoughts. And we go through these routines. And sometimes, even spiritually, we go through times of just, we go in a routine. We'll do so many songs. Then we'll do meet and greet. And then we'll get up and preach for 30 minutes, unless Rob's preaching and it goes longer. Whatever the case may be. But it's all routine. And God is saying, I want to do something new. I'm ready to do something new. Are you ready? And when he asked me that, it shook me. Because, man, it's always saying, God, just do more in our lives. And he said, okay, are you ready? Are you prepared for it? Do you understand that? Sometimes we feel like we're in a desert spiritually. And everywhere we look is sand. Everywhere we look is sand. And it's dry, and we're thirsty. And we're saying, God, I've been walking and walking and walking, and every direction looks the same. And I know that there's so much more of you. And this morning I have good news, because God has a promise for us, and He wants to do something new in our lives today. Today's passage we're going to be talking about is Isaiah 43, if you have your Bibles. We're going to be looking at verses 18 and 19 of Isaiah 43. Now, before I go into the scripture, I want to, and we can leave it up there, but I want to tell you a little bit about the historical reasoning behind this. Because Isaiah's prophecies are coming to the people at a time when they were in captivity. Okay? They're in Babylon. They've lost everything. They've lost everything. And they're in captivity. You know, I tell you, when you're reading the Word of God, put yourself into that story. So let's just assume that Oklahoma came down and invaded Texas. Not in the OU game or anything, but they came down and, man, and they just took us by surprise and they're hauling everybody off. And I'm like, where did everybody go? And they're like, well, some are up in Norman, Oklahoma, and Tulsa. And, and I'm like, they're gone? Yeah, they're, they're in captivity. And now we're in servanthood to Oklahomians. I think that's the word. Okay, now I want you to think about this. And man, as you're going through this, you're thinking, I had, a, I had a great business going on back in Texas. I haven't even seen my family. I was in school. I was getting educated. And all, all of this is gone. Now I'm out here working in a field or I'm working on this guy's car. All of a sudden now, your whole world has changed. Your whole world has changed because of an incident that happened. And all of a sudden, a prophet's coming and speaking to you, and you're, all you're doing is dwelling in the past. How great it was in Texas. How wonderful it was. Man, we had air conditioning down in Texas. You know, all the great things. And we're just going back and forth. They were homesick. Have you ever truly been homesick? I mean, sincerely, homesick. Man, I love getting away, but I'll tell you what, after about three days, I'm starting to miss my bed. I'm starting to miss just being at home. Even last night when we walked in, Austin goes and says, man, it's just great to be home. He has such a thankful spirit. It's just like, this is home. Well, we've been removed from that now. We're living in Oklahoma. We're in captivity. 
And all of a sudden, God is speaking this word to us. And we're like, what are you saying? Let's take a look at what the prophet is saying in Isaiah 43. Forget what has happened in the past and do not dwell on the events of long ago. Verse 19, I am going to do something new and it's already happening. Don't you recognize it? I will clear away in the desert and I will make rivers on dry land. Now this promise that was given for the children of Israel is a promise that is given to us because everything is in the Word of God for a reason. And there are people walking around in deserts today. So how is God going to do something new in my life, Pastor Mark? Verse 18 is saying, First, forget what has happened in the past and do not dwell on the events from long ago. So if you're taking notes, I've got three very simple points for you today. First is stop looking in the past. Stop looking back. Man, sometimes we love to look back. We can never see where we're going when we're looking back. And in order to change the focus of our lives, we're going to have to forget some former things. The things that are distracting us from what is being focused. A sub-point to this is forget past victories. What? Forget past victories. The children of Israel had many, many glorious victories. Man, if you read what was happening prior to that, they had gone in, first they defeated Egypt when they left. Then they crossed the river and then they were able to eventually go into their promised land, into Canaan and conquer Canaan and fought many battles. They had a lot of victories. They had a lot of glorious moments with God. They were there dwelling in their past glory. So now they're up in Oklahoma thinking about all the great things that had happened back home. Man, it was just wonderful back home. God was with us. God was just giving us victory right and left in every situation. But now they're in captivity. And their previous victories were giving them nothing at this point in their life. They needed a new victory, a new miracle. For those of you that remember, in the 1980s there was a Bruce Springsteen song called Glory Days. Do you remember that song? Glory Days. It's amazing. A couple weeks ago I got to go to a carnival and, and as they're whirling you around on the midway, they're playing this music about 30, 40 decibels louder than it should be. And if you've ever listened to the words, this is what some of the chorus says in this verse, in this song. And it says, And I hope when I get old, I don't sit around thinking about it, but I probably will. Yeah, just sitting back trying to recapture a little of the glory while well, time slips away and leaves you with nothing, mister, but boring stories of glory days. And then the chorus says, glory days, yeah, going back, glory days, all oh, he ain't never had, glory days, glory days. And man, we just think that's a great song. And if you really think about it, it's talking about people that are living all of the victories that they had in their past. Their life is empty now, but all they wanted to do was talk about the past. If you've ever seen Napoleon Dynamite, Uncle Rico is always talking about if he could have just had that, re- that moment to be put into the football. If he could have played football, the coach, he would have made all-star, he would have made a professional, he would have been not living in a car, he would have been great. And everything is about going back to the past. If I could have just changed that moment. And I see the emptiness in people's lives and all they're talking about was how great things were in the past. And I'm going to tell you that you will not go into your future when you're focusing on your past. And all we're doing is talking about the glory of what God has done. 
And what God is saying, look at the glory of what I want to do now. Forget the past. Man, I'll tell you, it's, Im- it's amazing when we start focusing on the now. We've got to come into our present condition. Our future is not based on what God has done. Our future is based on what God is going to do. Do you get that? Our future is based on what God wants to do. In Haggai chapter 2, verse 9, it says, This new house will be more glorious than the former, declares the Lord of armies. And in this place, I will give them peace, declares the Lord of armies. Man, what that's talking about is that the body of Christ through the fulfillment of Jesus Christ is going to be greater than the temple that was built by Solomon. Yes, God was in there, but now He's in us. And He's wanting to do great and mighty things through us, magnified over and over and over. That's the glory of God working in us. The second point of that is, though, forget our past failures. You cannot allow your past failures to defeat you. If you're looking at who this passage was given to, the children of Israel had many, many failures. They did many terrible things in the presence of God. God gave them land. Okay? A promised land. And once they got settled, you know what they wanted? They wanted to be like everybody else. And they started murmuring and complaining, give us a king. We want to have a king just like everyone else. And God said, no, 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 stay with the judges. This is the way to live. No, 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 we want to be like, we want to be like Arkansas. We want to be like Mississippi. No, sorry about Arkansas. We want to be like Louisiana. We want to be like Georgia. We want to be New Yorkers. They all have governors, and this is the way we want to run our land. God's saying, you just don't know what you're asking for. This is what we want. He said, okay. And how many of y'all as parents have done that to your kids? They whine, and they whine, and they whine, and you know it wasn't good for them, but you just gave in. I mean, honestly, I've done that, right? Yes, okay. I mean, you knew that it wasn't good to give them caffeine at 9 o'clock at night, but they just wouldn't be quiet. So there, drink a whole Mountain Dew. And at 1 a.m., you're wondering, why did I do that? At 2 a.m., when you're singing along with them, thinking, I've got to get up and go to work. At 3 a.m., they're finally starting to just come off that buzz. You're thinking, why did I do that? And God's saying, I'm telling you, this is not what you need. But they wanted, they wanted a king. And the kings misled the people. They, God gave them a temple. And you know what they did? They started idol worshiping. They started worshiping other things. See if all of this isn't like America today. Man, America, God has given us so much, but we want to be like everyone else. Then God has given us His power. Oh, but we want to worship this and we want to worship that. God is everywhere now, Pastor Mark. God gave them wealth and they misused it. God gave them Jesus and they crucified Him. This was not a perfect group of people. If you really want to see what grace and mercy was all about, read about the relationship He had with the children of Israel. Read about what He's doing in America today. The amount of, of saying that we are now a post-Christian society. But you know what? As long as there's 15, 20 people in that room praying, we're a Christian society. As long as we have the freedom to come in and pray, we're a Christian society. As long as we have the right to choose, we're a Christian society. As long as we can boldly proclaim the name of Jesus, we're a Christian society. I don't care what they title us. I know what I am. The children of Israel didn't deserve any good from God. 
But God was gracious and He still loved them. And when we read in verse 18 where He's saying, forget the former things, do not dwell on them. It's important that we see that God was not condemning them for the mistakes of their past. He was offering them a hand of hope. Saying you can forget all that's happened in the past. See I'm doing something new. Take my hand. Let me pull you up. Let me bring you into the now. And that's what God is doing even at this point in America. He's saying I know that you have sinned. I know that you've fallen away. But look, forget it. I'm doing something new now. Take my hand. And man, that's why I praise and worship because it's like, God, I surrender myself to you. So it's important that we understand. Those children of Israel, when they were in captivity, could do nothing to free themselves. They had to come to a point of repentance before God. And it was holding out to Him. So don't worry about your failures, your sins. God is able to forgive you. And He is lending you His hand. Repent and come to Christ today. Isaiah 118 says, Come on now, let's discuss this. Says the Lord, though your sins are bright red, they will become as white as snow. Though they are dark red, they will become white as wool. Forgiveness is for those who cry out in repentance and say, God, I am wrong and you are right. Isaiah 55, 7 says, Let the wicked people abandon their ways and let evil people abandon their thoughts. Let them return to the Lord and He will show compassion to them. Let them return to our God because He will freely forgive them. You know, there are some people that feel that they have done so much that God cannot forgive them. The enemy has lied to them, has lied to them, and even though Satan continually reminds them of their past, God's redemptive nature is, just come to me and repent. I love you, and I don't want to be separated from you for eternity. There may be some of you that says, you know what, Pastor Mark, I'm in this desert, and it hasn't been because of past sins. I am living a godly life, and I'm going through a dry season right now. And even Proverbs 24:16 tells us this, a righteous person may fall seven times, but he gets up again. However, in disaster, wicked people fall. Now what it was saying, when you read the Scripture, it says that a righteous person falls seven times. We've got to understand that a righteous person is not righteous on Sunday and living his own way on Monday and trying to pray a little on Wednesday. This is somebody who's totally sold out to God. And it's saying that there are going to be times when attacks are going to come into your life. And it's going to cause you to stumble. But God's going to get you right back up. Greater is He that's in you than he that's in the world. And so no matter what you're going through, you may feel like you are dry spiritually. Everywhere you are looking is desert. And God's saying, get up. I'm ready. Come on. Let's go. And He's asking, are you ready today? Are you ready for newness? Are you ready for more of God than you've ever experienced before in your life? Are you ready to see the former things that happened in the past seem like minor when we're going to the majors? That's what he's looking for. People that are living in expectancy. Man, growing up, every hymn and every Sunday was about the return of Christ. Man, every Sunday was Jesus could come back this week. We're not hearing that preached anymore. That's not on KLTY. That's not on our songs today. But I'm going to tell you that He is going to return one day soon to pull the body of Christ out. And we've got to be ready. And that time is coming. There is something big happening in my spirit and I know that something is stirring. And it's going to separate those who claim to be Christians and those that are truly Christians. 
So we've got to forget our past. Forget our past glories and past failures. And number two, we have to understand this present time. Isaiah 43.19 says, I am going to do something new and it's already happening. Don't you recognize it? I will clear away in the desert and I will make rivers on dry land. But the message here is saying, be alert. Be on alert. For those who have been in the military, there are alerts. And that means something is happening out there. We don't know exactly, but be prepared and get ready. See why I didn't want to really preach this message? Because, man, it's like, Pastor Mark, what are you saying? I'm just saying God is about to do something mighty. And I'll tell you, we've got to get ready to be on alert. God has you here for a reason today to hear this message. Many of us are standing in a desert now. And for some of us, that desert is a person or a group of people that have ruined or wrecked our lives. Some of you are standing in a desert of sickness in your body. Some of you are standing in the desert of depleted finances. Some of you are standing in a desert of destroyed love relationships. You've been hurt. Some of you have decided to put up with this hopelessness of this situation and grin and bear it until you see a change in the future. That's not what God's asking us to do. God is asking us to stand up, get ready, get prepared. If you've ever truly stood in the desert, every direction you see, there's just sand. And He's saying, I have a direction for you. I have a way. I want to tell you that I've been appointed today to tell you that before you close the chapter on what you think is ruined in your life and what you think has been destroyed and is beyond recovery, I want you to look again. I want you to look again with the eyes of faith. You've got to see the situation now that you're in with eyes of faith. God is doing a new thing. A transformation is occurring in the desert. God is going to make waste into waters. He is going to make what's ruined into rivers. And He's going to make what's desert into delights. You see, God is going to make the worst of circumstances manageable. And He intends to make our wilderness way manageable. I'm going to show you something that's very, very powerful in this text. There's the word make, rivers. And if you look it up in the Hebrew, it's talking about making something into something new. I didn't know that. And I've always read this passage and I always thought that if I'm standing in the middle of this desert, miles and miles and miles of sand in every direction, that God was going to create this little trickle of stream right by my feet. And I'm going to say, oh, isn't God good? He's bringing life because water is life. Do you realize that? Water is life. And I've always pictured this little thing of this little stream coming by and say, oh God, thank you for this water. And it's, it's refreshing my soul. But if you really, really look at the word, the way this is translating, is that He is going to make your desert into your river. You've got to grasp this. The bigger your desert, the bigger your river is going to be. Do you understand this? We're not talking about a trickling little stream. We're talking about the desert that you've been becoming, the life-flowing water that is going to refresh our souls. See, some of us have bought so little of what God can do that our expectations are so little of what God can do. And God's saying, I'm about to blow your minds about what I can do. 
And it's going to be that your whole desert is now becoming life. And that's what happens when you look at the Hebrew text of that word. It's important that we understand that He is about to transform us. God is going to call some of you into the ministry to preach the gospel. Some of you have a healing ministry on your life that when you start touching people, healing is going to start taking place. God is going to call you to start restoring relationships. God is going to start speaking into you to give words of encouragement. God is going to start moving in you to do mighty things that are greater than what we're seeing now. It's important that we understand that even though we're in a wasteland, we have to look with eyes of faith to see our situation. Our third point now is to look to the future. Look up from where you are. If you want something new, you have to lift your head to the future and discover what God wants for you. See, if you're looking at the wasteland, all you're going to start thinking about is the wasteland. I love when David says, I lift my eyes to the hills because that's where my help comes from. There are times when I'm walking, I've got to start looking up because you know what? Everything that I see around me is discouraging. And I say, God, I know that you have a plan. I know that you have a purpose for my life. I know that you're working this situation for good. Man, when I'm walking and I'm just interceding for somebody, if I start thinking about their circumstances, my heart gets heavy. But I think, God, there are millions and millions and millions of ways that you can turn this situation and make them stronger and more beautiful in you through this. Amen. That's the way we should be praying for our families and for our country. We have to start looking more like the eagle when it flies. Man, the eagle when it's flying is seeing the vastness of everything below it and choosing what it wants. But some of us have that chicken mentality. We've been bent over so long looking for anything on the ground. And man, just pecking, 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 hoping that something will good. Man, I want the choice of the land, not the crumbs that are laying in front of me. You see? But we've gotten really comfortable with this. And God's saying, you know what? Look at this. Look at what I've given you. Look at the power and the authority that you have. Even when Dino chose that song, nothing but the blood of Jesus. There is something about the blood of Jesus. We don't talk about that much anymore. But there is power in the blood of Jesus. And I'll tell you what, when you get into a battle spiritually, you're going to start declaring the blood of Jesus over that situation. I don't care who you are, whether you were a Baptist or Episcopalian or Lutheran, because we have to understand that we were blood-bought by the blood through the Christ. On the cross, there is power in the blood. We have to see what God is saying here. Jeremiah 1.11.12 tells us this. And again the Lord spoke this word to me. Jeremiah, what do you see? And I answered, I see a branch of an almond tree. Verse 12, Then the Lord said to me, Write, and I am watching to make sure that my words come true. Interesting passage, isn't it? Until you start studying. Remember, I'm trying to teach you to study the Word of God. And with internet capabilities now, all of you can do this. You don't have to have a huge library with thousands of dollars invested in this. So start looking up this scripture. And do you know something about the almond tree? Do you know that the almond tree starts to bloom in January when everything else still appears dead? Did you know that? I didn't know that. All of a sudden, I'm starting to say, wait a second. If the almond tree is starting to bloom before anything else happens, there's an awakening in this almond tree when everyone else is still asleep. Amen. 
God is doing an awakening in the body of Christ. And unfortunately, still many of us are asleep. Oh, it's not that season yet, Pastor Mark. And I'm saying, you know what? God's doing an awakening. He's doing an awakening in my spirit. And I'm trying to encourage you. You need to seek God right now because great things are about to happen. It may shake our country, but God will work it all together for good. But there's an awakening happening. It's happening. You have to look ahead to see something new. Abraham was in the same situation. And if you've read in Genesis, Abraham and his nephew Lot kind of came to a a decision that they were going to have to split up. And Abraham does the godly thing. He says, I'm going to let you choose which portion of land that you want. So this is the whole story that's happening in Genesis. And Lot sees that the valley is beautiful. And it's green with pasture. And it would be good for his plants and his animals. And just that's the land of abundance. And over on this side is desert land. I'm going to tell you, you know what? People haven't changed over the generations. You know what I mean? People are basically greedy. What's best for me? So you know what Lot chose? He chose the valley. This is good land. This is a great place. In fact, there's a wonderful little city down there called Sodom and Gomorrah, and I think I'm going to go push my tent right over there by that because they seem like good folk. Read the book, okay? For those of you that didn't get that one, all right, just keep reading on in Genesis. But see, in the natural, that looked good. And how many of us are chasing that? Oh, but that looks good, Pastor Mark. And everyone in your world is saying, don't go there. Oh, but look, it's, it's, it's green and it's got hills. And look, there's a cute little town down there. Those look like really good people. I'm going to join my family with them. Now, Abraham... <laughs> It's kind of probably having this prayer. God, you know, I tried to do the right thing. And I gave him a choice. And he gave me the desert land. What am I going to do for my family? What am I going to do for all my cattle and all my herds? What's going to happen on this? And it's interesting, and this is what the Word of God tells him. In Genesis chapter 13, verses 14 and 15. After Lot left, the Lord said to Abram, Look north, look south, Look east and look west of where you are. Verse 15, And I will give you all the land you see to you and to your descendants for an indefinite period of time. Abraham, the desert you are left with is not your future. Do you see what he's saying? What you're seeing in your natural eyes is not your future. I'm doing something bigger and greater than you can even comprehend. And some of us are only seeing that little section and saying, oh, God, that's my future? And he's saying, no, i got something bigger. i got something better. This situation is not your future. Somebody needs to hear that, that this situation is not your future. Would you all say that with this situation is not my future? See, some of you are not looking at a very good situation right now. And you're thinking that that's your future. And what God has brought you here today is saying, I'm going to do something bigger and better. I'm about to turn that situation into a river that's going to flood you and bring that life to you. So this morning you may be in a dry land of no hope, surrounded by disappointments. 
discouraged by people. Told you this was going to be a peppy little message today, right? But God has a plan. God has a plan. If I left it just there, and I have sat through messages where it was just gloom and doom, and then they sprinkled a little bit more disaster, and then ended the service. And I left there more depressed than when I went in. I felt more of a sinner than when I left. And I'm thinking, I didn't really do anything. My thoughts were even pure during the message, thinking, okay, let's turn this around somehow. But there's hope. The Word of God always has hope. That's why when we read, though, come, let us reason together, even though your sins are this, it can be white as snow. God is a forgiving God. God is a full of grace. He's full of mercy. He's a God of second chances. Even for our nation. Even for this world. When we don't deserve it, He is there. So your desert may seem like it's going on and on forever. But I'm telling you that God is about to do something to your situation. Something new. God is promising this to us. When God spoke that to me, and I know it was God, because I wasn't thinking about water baptism this morning, and He said, Mark, are you ready? My question is this, are you ready? Are you ready for more of God? Is your household ready for more of God? Is your ministry ready for more of God? Is your workplace ready for more of God? Is your campus ready for more of God? Is your internet ready for more of God? Because I'll tell you what, when God comes in, He invades. And He's not going to fit in a little box that we've given Him over the last several years. Where we just bring Him out on Sundays. He's about to invade our desert. And you're going to have water going all around you. And all of a sudden, you're going to sense the power of God moving. And I'll tell you what, the one thing you need to get addicted to is more of God. Because I'll tell you what, once you've tasted and seen Him, you will crave Him. You will seek Him first thing in the morning. You'll be thinking of Him during lunchtime. At dinner time, it's not going to be, thank you for this food, but oh God, thank you for so much more of you. People are going to be looking at you in lubies like you, and you won't care. That's when you know it's more of God. You know the old definition of fanatical is somebody who acts a little more crazy than you do? I don't mind being that crazy if it's for the power and presence of God. Before I take my shirt off at a Cowboys game and put a big C on there or an O or a W or a B, I ought to be doing that for God. I ought to be standing there and saying, Go God! I want to be in God's house, not Jerry's house. Do you understand? Jerry will let you down and I'll give you reasons how but God will never let you down do you understand this that something new is about to happen and he's saying to us Lake House Church get ready and I would love to say man we have 100% but you know what there will be some that take this message and go home and start really praying about this and will press in and really see what God's doing and some of you will just go and think wow that was a really great message But God is about to do something. Stirring in our spirits. Breaking the molds of tradition. Some of you say, oh, we don't do that in our church. Wait till you get to heaven. There's going to be things that are going on in heaven that you've never experienced before. 
So you want to leave there and go somewhere else? Because there's only other options. There's a billboard I saw, and it was actually a picture. It says, yeah, hell's going to be a party, but guess who's the barbecue? You know, I don't want to go there. So there's going to be experiences in heaven that you're not experiencing before. That doesn't mean it's not of God because everything in heaven is going to be of God. Do you realize the nations coming together, the worship that's going to take place, the, the, the joy celebration? Well, I like to clap when I worship. I really do. This is, you know what? I think those people are going to be just clapping like at a rock concert, breaking off the traditions. And that's what God is saying in this desert land. Break off the traditions. See, I am something, going to do something new. I am bringing life into your desert. No, I'm changing your desert into life. And that's what, if you remember one thing about this message, remember that, that God is about to change your desert. If you will seek Him, seek Him, pray, fast, You know, I've never taught to you about fasting. But some of you might need to start fasting for more of God. And whether it's food, whether it's an activity, whatever it is, there's a new level coming. And I'm hungry for that level. So stop looking at your past. Start realizing your present. Start looking up for your future. That's what Isaiah 43 is telling us here. So it's important that we understand this. And as I close today, I want to give you an opportunity to make the most important decision you'll ever make in your life. Believe it or not, today's message may have scared you. I've never heard Pastor Mark so passionate about something about God is going to do. And I'm telling you, God is about to do something within the body of Christ. God is about to do something in America. I truly believe that revival is about to break forth in this land. We got to get ready for it. We got to get our houses in order. We got to get rid of the things that are distracting us from God. Distractions. No one's ever brought home a box that just said, This is a distraction. I've never bought a distraction purposely thinking it was a distraction. They seem to grow into distractions. Have you ever noticed that? Or a person comes into your life and says, Hi, I'm Mr. Distraction. I'm Miss Distraction. I'm going to ruin your life. I'm going to break your heart. I'm going to take all your money and then leave you in about six months just brokenhearted. So what's your name? You know, they don't introduce themselves this way. They come into our lives and there are things that come in that are distractions. And they take more of our time away from God. Satan is great at giving you promotions that will take all of your time away from your family. Take all of your time away from spending time in the Word of God. We've got to guard our heart to what is important. Hunger after what is important. And all of this is going to take place first with having a relationship with Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Savior is for eternity. Lord is for right now because I need to submit to His kingdom. And submission is not a very popular word today. But God is looking for those who will move when He says move. God is looking for those who will jump when He says jump. And you may be jumping when no one else is jumping. But when God tells you to jump, 
I recommend you jump. Because God has a plan and a purpose for your life. I have a very simple prayer that I would just like to lead everybody in. And God has been showing me more and more that that prayer may not always be for this group, but for those who are listening on the internet. That need to make the most important decision in their life right now. Because you have no guarantee of tomorrow. You were born with eternal life. You're not deciding if you want eternal life right now. You were born with eternal life. And where you're spending that eternal life is what you're deciding right now. Because we're born into sin. And sin cannot be in the presence of God. And that's why God sent the most valuable thing in heaven to this earth. To die on a cross to become the ultimate perfect sacrifice for our sin, our shame, our guilt, our sickness, our anguish, and our disease. If you don't realize, that pretty much covered everything in your life right there. And He died on a cross and He rose three days later because death couldn't stop Him. See, every other religion stops right there. That when the prophet died, everything else stopped. But Christianity is the only one that has proof of a risen Savior. And that's why it's important for us to make that decision now. To receive Him as our Lord and Savior. So with all heads bowed and all eyes closed, I'd like to lead you all in this very simple prayer. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I know that I am a sinner and I need Your forgiveness. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins and rose from the grave to give me life. Please forgive me. Change my life. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. I now confess Jesus Christ as my Savior and I am saved. Amen. New beginnings can start at any time. And something new is starting today. I don't care about your past. I care about your present. And I'm talking about your future. But God is about to do something new. Seek Him this week like you have never sought Him before. Pray. Discern this. Get into the Word of God. Worship like you've never worshipped before. Be a part of this. As we close, I'd like to end the service with speaking a blessing over you. So if I could have everybody stand. And Rob, I want to tell you, you did a really good job on that message a couple weeks ago. Thank you so much. We're blessed to have Rob, Paul, the entire Pays team, their heart, their vision. Something new is about to happen for you guys. That's the way the body works. Have you ever thought about that? What happens to one part of the body happens to the entire part of the body. So may the Lord bless you and protect you. And may the Lord smile upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord show you His favor and give you His peace. So go in His peace. God bless you, Lake House Church. We love you. We'll see you either Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night of this week. Thank you so much.